This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Did you hear the, did you hear the, um, the quote from Dylan Brooks? This is so good. This is so good. It, it's, it's, it's hilarious. It really is. Let me see if I can bring it up. Um, <laughs> so I just saw it a second ago. Uh, he said, well, I'll paraphrase him. He believes that he was ejected because of his, because the media is portraying him, the media and the fans are portraying him as a villain. I pull bears. <laughs> this is him speaking after practice. This is from our Tim McMahon. Dylan Brooks, speaking after practice today, says he thinks the perception of him influenced the fragrant two called in game three. Quoting Dylan, the media making me a villain. <laughs> the fans making me a villain. That just creates another persona on me. So help me out now. What you said didn't do anything? What you said about I poked the bear? What you say about I'm a talker, that's what I do? That had nothing to do with it? That had nothing to do with it. I mean, you're right now and after that, because that wasn't, okay, James Harden was an incidental low blow. Come on now. You all saw the on LeBron. That, that's not incidental. <laughs> I'm going for the ball. Right. Come on. Stop. Stop. <laughs> so that's the media's fault. The media is the reason why you got the flagrant foul and ejected. It wasn't anything you did. It's your perception. How could we how could we be so wrong about Dylan Brooks? Well, at least he wasn't suspended. You know, after being assessed to flagrant two. And uh which is different from the situation, obviously, with Draymond Green, who was ejected. And suspended the game. He has a reputation. And listen, it's been, by the way, Golden State up two, a little over three minutes left in the fourth. It's been well documented what Draymond Green means defensively and offensively to Golden State. But you begin to wonder if this is the time where maybe now, Golden State looks to move on from Draymond Green. I mean, his antics have not changed. And you know, the the and listen, the revving up the crowd and everything, you know, once again, if you're trying to if you're looking to make a decision on what to do about him, okay, you him revving up the crowd does not help you give him a break. <laughs> okay. The fact that the commissioner of the NBA was in attendance does not allow you to give him a break. But the fact that he would risk that, knowing how important he is to this Golden State team, after having, in some people's eyes, cost them a championship previously, makes you wonder if indeed... Um, you know, 
he's they can move on with him. Makes you wonder. And and this remember this has been an issue starting with the incident with Poole at the beginning of the season. So it just makes you wonder what they, what are they going to do? Okay, they've won four titles. Is it time for them to begin to move on from them? Is it time to move on from Draymond? Is it time? That's going to be the question. And there is a there's been a lot this okay there's been a lot of physical play. We've been talking about you know how the NBA is gotten soft and the NBA doesn't like contact. This this postseason has been very physical. This postseason has been very physical, <laughs> very physical. Every time you turn around, somebody's laying out. You know, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Well, I got a chance, uh, and I, I haven't really <clears throat> have a chance to seen a lot of him. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that is Javante Davis, Tank. And I saw him uh, against Ryan Garcia last night. And I think I've maybe seen him once or twice before, um, but last night he was he was he <laughs> he was interesting. I thought. The first of all, he knocked uh, Garcia down in the second round. But the 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 body shot in the seventh. It was it had a delayed reaction. It was, you know, you you see punches in fights that have an immediate reaction where they either go face down or they go so they crumple or whatever happens. Right. This one it was like he hit him, right on the side by the liver area and he stepped back. He looked like he was ready to punch. And what was crazy was then he went down blood in his mouth and then he went down and you're like, what did I miss? (laughs) What, what did I miss? You know, but um, he looked real good. He's, he's, he's crafty. He's got quick hands. He's smart. Uh, he's shorter, so when he sees the punch, he does a nice job ducking. The punches go over his head. It was um, he 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 performed well. Uh, the kid Garcia was his first loss, so listen, he, we'll see what happens. We'll see how he bounces back. But that was uh, that was a pretty good fight. It was a pretty pretty good fight to see uh, how you know to see that that fight last night. So it was interesting. It was interesting. And, you know, he says he is now the he says he is now the face of boxing and he can get in line because there's a bunch of people who say they're the face of boxing as well. Let's turn our attention to a little baseball at seven o'clock. The Mets will play the Giants on uh, ESPN TV and also on ESPN, two. I think there's a K-Rod this week, I believe. I'm not sure. I think there's a K-Rod, but Mets and Giants. So the Mets have a 2-1 series lead. They've got Taylor McGill on the mound. And listen, uh, Joey Lucchese, and we talked about it last week. Joey Lucchese is a guy who's been on the injury list. The Mets got him not this year, but last year. He got hurt. He missed the whole season. And then obviously with the injuries and the things they've got going, 
Uh, they needed a starter, and he did a fantastic job. The Giants really, their pitching is not great. Their bullpen is not great. It, it's funny, and it's so early, so it's really too early to make uh, poignant observations to say that this is the way it's going to be for the season. Because it's too early. We're still in April. Season's what, two weeks old? Three weeks old? So we're not able to to make that statement about this is the way things are. But I will say this. The Dodgers and Giants need bullpen help. Just from what I've seen. They need bullpen help. And that's going to, we'll see what happens and how that evolves as the season goes on. But as far as the Mets are concerned, listen, Pete Alonso looks like he is ready on his way to an MVP-type season. Leading the league in home runs and RBIs, he's been, he's been great. He's been making contact. He hasn't struck out a lot. He's been a guy that, that's, that's carried this Met offense along with Francisco Lindor. Uh, the Mets, you know, second in the NL, of course, behind Atlanta whom they face, I believe, this coming weekend, or either this coming weekend or the next weekend. They've got Atlanta in the showdown. And it would be nice if he had all your starters there. You're not going to have Scherzer. You probably won't have Verlander. I don't think you will. So you have to go with the second group. I don't even know if you're going to have Carrasco in his situation. So you're going to have have to tough it out with what you have. You're going to have to rely on your offense. And to be honest, the Met bullpen has been better than I expected. And they've had to go deep into the bullpen. They had to go deep and uh, on a couple of occasions, and they've done nice. They've done a nice job. So uh, I'm pretty happy with, with my team right now. 14 and 8, 10 and 6 on the road, which is good. And so I'm, I'm just happy to see what they'll be able to do and if they can you know, take a series tonight, uh, which will be fabulous for me, I'll be even happier. Because that's what I'm looking for right now. I'm looking to win series. You know that's me. If I can win series, I'm good. That's all I want. I just want to win series. As far as the Yankees are concerned, it was not easy. Listen, this Toronto team, even though they have they have the same record as the Yankees, they're both thirteen and nine. Blue Jays are nine and seven away. Yankees are nine and seven at home. Right? That that's crazy. But uh, both these teams are fascinating to me. They are. And once again, as far as the Yankees are concerned, it's where are we getting the offense from? Where can we, who can we consistently rely on offensively to get us going? Who is that person? Obviously, a lot of pressure has been placed on Aaron Judge because of the season he had last year. You expect that, you understand it. Okay. Today, not a good day for Aaron Judge. He was 0 for 4. Uh, not a lot of hitting today, as you could tell. Okay, they only scored one run. And, um, you know, DJ's hitting well. He was 3 for 4. And Rizzo had a home run today. That accounted for the lone run in the ninth inning. And that was the home run in the ninth inning. So it, it's where are the Yankees going to get some offense from? And once again, the bottom of the order has betrayed them. That's their Achilles heel. The Achilles heel is the bottom of the order. Okay? It's six, seven, eight, and nine. Now you look at the lineup today. 
He had Volpe leading off, Judge hitting second, Rizzo third, Torres cleanup, Lemayhu fifth, Cabrera sixth. Then you got Peraza, who played third base today. Higgy was the catcher, and IKF was in center field. IKF had a hit. But when when you're talking, and this is why people are so frustrated, and Yankee fans especially, with Brian Cashman, and I get it. Because you, when the Yankees are rolling, their lineup is circular. And I know a lot of teams don't, do, don't have that. But when you have the money and the payroll that the Yankees do, okay, fans expect to have a really, really good lineup. And it's not a circular lineup anymore. It's not even a deep lineup. So really, after one through six, seven, eight, nine, very you don't know what you're going to get. And that's the concern you have if you're a Yankee fan. That's where you're wondering, where is that offense coming from, especially when you're playing the better teams, okay? Against the weaker teams, the bottom of the order might get you a couple of hits. But against the better teams, that's where you start to, you, you get a little concerned. You're wondering. So it'll be interesting to see what moves they make at the trade deadline. And they have to wait and see. They may have to make a move for pitching. You don't know what's going to happen with the depth of your starters. I mean, Garrett Cole has been, he's been everything you want. He's been everything. He's been the ace of the staff. You can't, there's nothing you can say about him and his performance. He's been outstanding. He's been outstanding. And he's done it, and he's been in big spots. He's done a tremendous job. A tremendous job. Golden State wins by one. As Sacramento loses at the buzzer. They could have had a chance to win. They lose, so now the series is tied at two, heading back to Sacramento. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. I wonder what the mindset of the Kings are right now. Because they, they're they going home. So they have, obviously, they're feeling good about themselves. They're going back home. But to have had a 2-0 lead um, and to be now tied, it's got to make you... Mike Brown's going to have to do some work for them mentally. Okay, because clearly they were riding high. And obviously no green in game three going on the road. They're up 2-0. They win that game. The Warriors are like on the brink of elimination. But not only did Golden State win one game, they won two. Now, if you're a Kings fan, you're like, listen, all they did was do what we did. And that was they held serve on their court. And we were we were we lost by one point with a shot at the buzzer buzzer by Harrison Barnes. And you you give Golden State credit between Steph Curry and Draymond Green for forcing the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hands because he just couldn't get he couldn't get by and so he had the time was running out he had to, Harrison Barnes was open shot it he missed it okay it just happens it's a it's a make or miss league and they he missed it so now you're tied it too so it's gonna be an interesting series. Uh, sad news about Victor Oladipo, who's now gone for the playoffs with another injury. That 
that guy has had so many he had he was such a promising player and he's had so many injuries that have really derailed him it's 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 sad it really is and once again he had the opportunity here he is again trying to put his will his body through rehab of another injury i mean you feel for him especially this time of the year right because this is where, you know, this is what you want. This is what you play for is the postseason. To have an opportunity to be in it for a chance to win a championship. And to, again, be hurt. It's just, it's it's rough. You feel for him. You feel for him. So, uh, the other games this evening, you've got uh, Atlanta, Boston, and... I must admit to you, I was a little surprised that Boston lost the way they did in Atlanta. Now, we'll see how they respond. You know, they, they can win the game and then go back home and finish them off. So it's not it's not the earth-shattering situation. Atlanta just hasn't been Atlanta this year. And so if this was Atlanta from two years ago, I would not be surprised. As a matter of fact, it would, it, it would be a, a really close series. But I just don't see Atlanta being that way. And Quinn Snyder's come in there and he's tried to change some things and make Trey Young a little happier and, <laughs> you know, him and Murray and try to get them together so they're on the same page and do some things. So, you you know, you get it. You understand. But the way Boston has played for most of the season, and look, they've had hiccups. You you get it. You understand it. Uh, they've had some hiccups. So now you, you just wonder, are they going to be able to, you know, are they going to let Atlanta back into this series? And, of course, the Milwaukee-Miami series, I mean, no Giannis and Miami's who's missing their shooter and their six-man, the former six-man of the year, out with, with, with the hand injury. And phew, you figure they were going to be in big trouble without, because without, they, don't, they don't score that much. <laughs> they have trouble scoring. So to lose one of their big outside shooters, one of their big scorers, that's like, you know, what are you doing? But uh, the NBA playoffs, boy, the first round has been fascinating. It really has been fascinating. A lot of storylines. Lots of storylines. When we return, who said this? I haven't had conversations with the GM too much, so the best way I can handle it is to keep working. Whatever happens, happens. Hmm. That's what Saquon Barkley said. We'll talk about the Giants and the Jets. Oh, by the way, Jet fans, apparently trade talks have picked up. Oh, that's right. The draft is Thursday. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Before I get to my Giants thoughts, uh, JJ's in Long Island wants to talk about the Golden State game. Hey, JJ. Hello there. You just said that how do they feel uh, Sacramento, how do they feel going back to Sacramento with uh, being down, uh, being up 2-0, and now it being tied? I think they feel fine. I just watched this game, and I feel I feel nervous for Golden State because they their defense, <laughs> Looney, Looney just kept getting beat up under the boards. De'Aaron Fox is on fire. I don't see that fire in them from, like, the previous seasons. So I think they feel actually pretty good going into Sacramento against this team. I don't think that they're much of a threat anymore. Um, 
them being, you know, ex-champions, they don't, they're not really truly playing like ex-champions, and I think that the Kings feel real good going into this one. Well, I'll say this, JJ, and thanks for the phone call. They have not played well on the road, Golden State. There's no question about that. They are not the same team as they were offensively or defensively on the road. But for a young team to, and once again, it's a close game today, and that's what Mike Brown's going to do. Listen, you had a chance, we had a chance to win both games. We just didn't do. We do one thing here. We execute a little better here. We do this. We're going home. That's the that's the you know that's the mindset that he's going to give to them. But in the back of your mind, you had this this team look like at different times they didn't belong on the same floor with you. There were times in the in the Sacramento game, games one and two, certain stretches. Golden State had no answers. They Sacramento was flying up and down the court. Okay? And I get it. Your bench normally plays better at home, so that's going to be a positive for Sacramento. But I'm just wondering, because, you know, you're up 2-0 as a young team. And as a veteran team like the Warriors, they're like, okay, they did what they were supposed to do. Let's just go back and win our two, and we'll come back, and now it's a best-of-three series. And two of the three are in Sacramento. So no, nobody's saying that Sacramento's out of it. Nobody's saying that Sacramento is going to lose the series. I'm just curious to young players that, okay, we have them. This is going to, oh, look at this. We won the first two. They're older now. They're not the same team. Same things that you said. That's what they said. And then they went on the court and play, and, and out, outclassed them in a couple of occasions. Now it's 2-2 and we're right back here. Oh, Okay. This is going to be a little tougher than we thought. How do they respond to it? That, that's, the, that's what makes sports so interesting because you just never know how people respond to certain situations. Like what's going on with the Giants and Saquon Barkley. Now, this is Saquon's response to Joe Shane. Now, Joe Shane said earlier that he didn't know what was going on. He really hadn't spoke with uh, Barkley and you know he didn't know what was happening. And so, you know, Everything is, is the way it is. And um, here's the bottom line for this. And Harvey understands what I'm saying as a Giant fan. It's April. Nobody's, nobody's concerned about Saquon Barkley not being in shape. Nobody's concerned that Saquon Barkley is not doing the right thing. Nobody's concerned that Saquon Barkley, whenever this deal is done, is going to have to worry about, oh, will he be okay? Is he not? Is he prepared to be? Saquon Barkley is a professional. Saquon Barkley is going to be prepared to come into camp and do what he needs to do whenever. Right now it's OTAs. OTAs are voluntary anyway. So he's not missing anything. Okay? They know. I mean, he's been there. It's not a new offense. If it was a new, new offense, okay, maybe it would be nice if he was there. It's the same offense. Will they maybe add some more stuff to it? Sure, but they'll, you know, they'll send him the information. He'll know. So it's not really, it, it's not, it's not a really, really major thing at this point. Okay? And I'm sure it will be done before training camp. Okay? They'll make the decision. They'll figure it out. All right? So I, I'm not, if I were a Giant fan, I would not be concerned about this. Because you know the guy, yeah, you know what you know what he is, you know what he does, you know what he brings to the table. He's going to be there. He, when the bell rings, he will be ready. It's no question.
So he's not worried about that. Now, on the other side, I know, and I will be so happy when this is finalized so we can stop the speculation. But NFL.com's Ian Rappaport has reported that miraculously, talks between the Jets and Green Bay has picked up as to what is going to be the deal to bring Aaron Rodgers officially, officially to the New York Jets. Now, maybe it's me, but it seems like two years ago, (laughs) Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show that his intentions are to play for the New York Jets. I'm saying it seems like two years ago this has happened. It's been so long ago. It's been over a month. It's been over a month. And now finally, finally, it looks like we might have some movement on the situation with Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets. And most people had speculated that now would be the time that things would pick up, obviously because the draft is Thursday. And Green Bay has to decide what draft capital they want for this season in exchange for Aaron Rodgers. And of course, there'll probably be a, you know, a, a, another one, maybe a, if indeed he's going to play for a second year, maybe there'll be another one. If it, Okay, if he plays a year two, there'll be a, a conditional draft pick or something of that nature, right? But... Uh, Finally, it looks like we're going to have some movement. Now, what does that mean? That means all this conversation about, well, the deal's already done. We're just waiting for Aaron Rodgers to make a decision was not true <laughs> because Aaron Rodgers made his decision a month ago, over a month ago. He said what he wanted to do. He said, I intend to play for the Jets. And we still haven't got this deal done. All right. Now, Clearly, it's and it's it's going to be, and I'm I'm very curious to see how this goes, because obviously, if you're Green Bay, you want the best that you can get for Aaron Rodgers, right? There's no there's no denying that. That's not a secret. That's not breaking news. That's not a hot take. I still don't think that the Jets, and this is just me. I still don't think that the Jets should give up a first-round pick for Aaron Rodgers. I don't. And I'm sure that's what Green Bay wants. I was thinking that the Jets and Green Bay may have had an understanding when the Jets picked up another pick in the second round so they can have two second-round picks that maybe that second pick that they acquired would be the one that would be that what they're going to send for Aaron Rodgers. A pair of twos. All right. Um, for Aaron Rodgers. And I know that Green Bay has a right to ask for ones. They can ask. Doesn't mean they're going to get it, but they can ask. And I know the Jets have been adamant in, listen, we've done this before. When we <laughs> when we when we dealt with Brett Favre, we gave you a three. We'll give you a three now, and we're good. Call it a pair. Call it a three, and we're good. What's interesting here is, and I think it was kind of the same situation there, is that there's nobody else that 
really seems to be in the market for Aaron Rodgers, and there's nobody else that seems to be in the market um, with Green Bay that they can hold the Jets up. The Jets are really betting against themselves. So if they're bargaining against themselves, why would you give the best pick? I wouldn't. I would try to give a second-round pick or a third-round pick. Because once again, that's not they're not just they're not in the situation that the Niners are in. The Niners are a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. If the Niners had a a functional quarterback, they would have really given you know Kansas City some issues. If the Niners had a functioning quarterback, I mean they they never they, they would have given the 49 they would have given Kansas City some issues because of their defense. They never got there. How? Well, you have a quarterback. The Jets are talented. They're not that talented. <laughs> to the point that they are just a quarterback away. So they have draft needs. They need offensive line help, which is a secret that nobody knows, right? Everybody knows that I'm being sarcastic. Everybody knows that the Jets need line help on both sides of the line, especially the offensive line. Yeah, I'm looking at all these pictures of Makai Becton. He looks great. He looks like he's ready to go. It's fabulous. Is he going to be healthy? And nobody knows that, not even Makai. Nobody knows if he's going to be able to play the whole season. To be honest, if we were to judge from previous experience, it would tell us no. He hasn't played the whole season, a couple of seasons. And you can't be fooled by not having depth behind him. You have to be able to have depth behind him because, um, you know, you need to know what, what are you going to be able to get him, what are you going to be able to have his ability to be able to get on the field constantly. You have to know. So these are the issues that the Jets are facing. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, if I'm the Jets, it's a no-brainer for me. I'm not giving you a first-round pick. Not for a 40-year-old quarterback. Now, who may play for one year, who admitted he was 90% retired this season? No, 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 no. I'm not doing that. No, 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 no. I'll give you a two. And you got to give me something if he doesn't play in the second year. How about that? How about that? I been is in Jersey. Did I say that right, I been? Eben, but it's Eben. cool. All right, Eben, how are you? Yeah. I'm pretty good. Talk to uh, me. I had a, com- a, a, a well, a question, really a comment question mixed together. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like in Green Bay's best interest to do the deal with the Jets. And if I was the Jets, I agree with you. I'll probably give him a two and a four. And if he doesn't play the second year, then I get the four back. But if you got to pay Aaron Rodgers $50 million this upcoming season and he don't want to be there, what happens if all of a sudden you got something wrong with his toe <laughs> and you got to pay him anyway and just run with Jordan Love? But you, you got to pay him sitting there. And all you all you had to do was give him up and get the two and the four. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Eben, thanks for the phone call. It's clear that the marriage is over between Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. There's no question about it. They're done. Done. Both sides are done. And it could be to the Jets' advantage. But once again, and I give the Jets credit. Yes, I know that you want him. Yes, I know that you have really overextended yourself to get him. You have wooed him enough. So I get it. Now, I also understand that you're in this position because you made the mistake drafting your young quarterback a couple of years ago. He has not progressed. And I know that in the back of your mind, you're hoping, hoping against hope, that A, you get a veteran quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers who can help you at least get to the postseason, a place that you haven't been in over a decade. And B, through osmosis, maybe some of this will rub off on that young quarterback who has admitted that he idolized this young man growing up. So that's what you're hoping. Because maybe after this season or two seasons, but either way, you are still looking for a franchise quarterback because you still don't have one. You have a quarterback who is a, you have a very good veteran quarterback who was a franchise quarterback who unfortunately has only been to one Super Bowl. Should have been the more. I mean, as great as he is, should have been the more. So this is what you're rolling the dice on right now. You're rolling the dice. And once again, other than Lamar Jackson, I understand why you've you've looked at what you have and it is unacceptable for you to continue. So I get it. And that's why you're in the position you're in now. So you want to get, you want to try to get Aaron Rodgers in here, but it's got to be the right price. And you're kind of, your back is kind of against the wall because, I mean, who are you going to get? If this deal falls through, who's going to be your starting quarterback? Now, you already have admitted that you don't want it to be the number two overall pick. You've already admitted that by going after Aaron Rodgers. So, it's going to be interesting to see what this final deal looks like. I'm just ready to get it done, ladies and gentlemen. To be honest, I'm just ready ready to get it done already, and let's move on. Okay, let's move on. All right, let's wrap up where we began inside this edition of the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. We began with a big-time Nick win against the Cleveland Cavaliers at the Garden. And once again, listen, the story here was a phenomenal game by R.J. Barrett. Once again, another phenomenal game for Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart. A struggle, and Tom Thibodeau has hinted it may have been injury-related as to why Julius Randle did not play much and was so ineffective while he was out there. But for me, the bottom line here is and was the Knicks' defense. The Knicks' defense in the two games here at the Garden was impressive. It was impressive. And it has to continue if they want to have a chance to beat this Cleveland Cavalier team Wednesday night in Cleveland. Because 
you're not going to have the same. I don't believe you have the same output that you got from Cleveland. These two games that you have when they get back home, I think they're going to be much better. I expect more from Donovan Mitchell. Two points in the second half, that's not going to be the same way. Uh, Darius Garland showed you flashes in the third quarter of what he can be when he takes over a game. I think he'll be closer to that Darius Garland when you get back to Cleveland. Karis LeVert has played well for them. He's, he's, he's actually been a little better than I thought he was going to be as a starter. It hurts their bench, but it gives them some punch in the scoring. So that's what they, So I expect them to be better. I really do. And the Knicks are going to have to be, as good as they were today, they're going to have to be even better in Cleveland. All right, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. A couple of other thoughts. And I know some folks who are listening right now in the car, Belinda and Gailey Whitehead and their family, and I know that he is a big-time Nets guy. So this is going to hurt me. Gailey, this is going to hurt me, but I got to say it. I was very disappointed that the Nets were swept against the Philadelphia 76ers. I was very disappointed. For the Nets to lose at home game four with no Joel Embiid on the floor is not good. It's, it's, it's very disappointing to me. I'm not a Nets fan. Covered the Nets for decades. And have been impressed with what they, how they've been able to play with all the turmoil and everything that happened with the different teams and everything, different players, and how this team got put together late. And Jacques Vaughn has done a tremendous job with this team. And this team has a lot of promise. They're a couple of players away. You get another player in here to compliment Makai Bridges and Cam Johnson. Um, you know, it's going to be better. Nick, Nick, Nick Claxton is a superstar waiting to go. As a, as a big man. He's impressive. He's a little weight, but otherwise he's impressive. That's very disappointing to see them go out like that. So I'm, I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised. But hang in there. I think they'll get better. Harvey? Harvey, you got game four tomorrow night at the Garden. Now you are fresh from waking up the whole house last night when the Devils scored in overtime. <laughs> Over the Rangers. What do you, what do you what's your thoughts tomorrow night at the Garden? I'm more confident than I have been because Ooh. thankfully Akira Schmid was ice cold in net last night, so he'll be in for Game Four tomorrow night. Um, but my biggest thing is that, like most like these three games have been, the power play will dictate who wins to me. So whoever uh commits less penalties will win and I'm hoping that's my devils and I'm hoping that the Rangers can be very cute and just keep passing up opportunities and just go for the extra pass so I'm more confident than I was uh, before the weekend so starting tomorrow I'll be pretty confident that we can go back to Jersey 2-2 All right. It's going to be interesting. It's a game you hear right here on 98.7 ESPN. Our coverage will begin following the Michael K show tomorrow uh, so good luck, Harvey, with your Devils. Uh, it's been an interesting series, and and you're watching them. It's got to be fun for you as a Devils fan, right? They've had a great season, and you're watching them grow up in the playoffs, right? Every shift on the ice, you're watching them get more confident and better and better and better. And it was a that was anybody's game last night. But I guess as looking at it as an impartial observer, 
the longer that game went without the Rangers getting a goal, the better you had to feel that the Devils were going to find a way to steal that. 100%. They grew into the game. They, they're learning what postseason hockey is about. And look, the last thing that I want as a fan for myself is for that the Eagles to end my Giants season, for the Rangers to end my Devil season. So I'm going to need this one at least. I hear you, Harvey. I hear you. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.